out that way. That's great. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, people would would love to see maybe some swag. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Got to have some swag. We yeah. uh, I'm I'm hoping to make it out, Brian. That'd be awesome. (laughs) That'd be awesome. Oh, uh, flights are so expensive. It's just, it's painful. All right. I think I got this working now. So can you guys see my screen? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. I can see you, but not your screen. Oh, you can't see. Oh, hold on. I got to really actually click the share button. Hold on. I'm having some <laughs> technology problems. Thank you. Okay. Now, can you see my screen? Yes. Uh, Miller time. Millet. <laughs> oh, millet time. It's millet time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do some new t shirts, and it's kind of TBD on um, a bunch of things and logistics, but there's a place down in Portland that can print t shirts for us, and it's kind of uh, been like a little bit of a club front fundraiser. Um, we'll see what the costs look like. Um, the, one of the biggest costs for the t-shirts is of course, um, shipping it. So, um, so if we don't have to ship it, if people can pick them up and so on and so forth, um, then that would be great. So it's primarily going to be for people in the U S and then Canada for the Canada ones. Last time the, the t-shirts cost like a ton of money to ship to Canada, to be perfectly honest with you. So, I think if uh, stewards, if we know in advance of, of people that are in Canada that want them, then probably best if we can work something out where um, we can, um, you know, have you take those back up and then ship them out or something like that. I'm not sure what that looks like. I'll open up my own little Etsy shop or something just for this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like the design though. It's cool. Excellent. Yeah, thank you. Um, and what else? What else? Oh, so um, I don't know if you mentioned this. Um, the day before was something where I was thinking that if people are really super interested that we could, we, I, I'm going to go down to McMinnville on the Saturday before and go down to, to Beerly Brewing. And um, I was just IMing with JP and he said, Oh, that's great. That the one thing to note about that is that for seating inside the tap room, they have a um, vaccination requirement. So you have to have a max and you have to show proof of vaccination. So can take that into consideration if you do decide to go down and join us down there. But I thought that was a fun, uh, fun thing we could do as like a weekend thing if you're like super into it. Right. Um, I'm coming down Friday, so. <laughs> oh, okay, nice. Well, then you're like way more into it than all of us. That's awesome. Are you <laughs> well, going to bring be... my wife down too? So we're going to make a little mini holiday out of it. Nice. Okay. Are you going to be in McMinnville on Saturday, or? Um, yeah. Well, if, if uh, I'll just get some information from you on it. I'm driving right now, so if you can okay. message okay. me or whatever, and I'll see you both okay. coming. Cool. Okay. Got to find um, an expensive hotel to stay in. <laughs> yeah. As um, what was the other thing? Um, 
So the day of the actual um, party, we were going to do a try to do a group brew, and this is very, you know, free flowing. I think um, I believe that there's there's like a Brewzilla or something like that that Jason has down there to use. Um, and we were going to start that not super early. I think last time at Groundbreaker. So last time we had a party was uh, like what 2019. <laughs> And our guest actually was kind of the leader of the homebrew, which I actually don't know what the hell happened to that homebrew. Um, so, I mean, what we're going to do this time is not start so early. We're going to start at noon. So it's not such a long day for people. That, that So it's going to flow into the party probably is what, what we're thinking. And then people can come and go as they see fit. Um, with that brew, we're not going to like probably package it up or like send it out to people we're just gonna let jason serve it in the tap room so um i it just seemed like kind of a logistical nightmare to do anything like that from our previous experience so um that and then he'll supply the ingredients we don't have to worry about that oh right yeah so then we get free ingredients so that's cool as well um Oh, and then the the swag stuff. We were thinking about doing some sort of raffle thing. I don't know what that's going to look like, but um, that's kind of TBD. But it's going to be a lot of fun. So the most important part is there's going to be a shit ton of beer there, and we're all going to have a lot of fun, right? So <laughs> don't worry about all that other stuff. Just show up, have fun. We would love to see everyone. So we want to get a good group there. There's plenty of space. Stuart, you've been down there. Can you tell oh, us about great. the... Well, yeah, it's a great space, Kim. You've you've seen it too, of course. But yeah, they've got a, um, of course, they've got a nice um, tap room area inside the building, and and plenty of room to to mingle in there. But also, there's a, a nice big patio outside. So, yeah. weather permitting, end of June or July, it should be it should be good. There's a Mexican place next door that has awesome tamales. Uh, I've, I've tried those, and, and it's great. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. So you're covered for gluten free food. And obviously, gluten-free beer that uh, people will hopefully bring, and we've got some breweries sending beer, as I said. So um, it's going to be a great event. Looking forward to seeing as many people there as possible. You can uh, just, but again, just let us know. We we do need to put people officially on an invite list to make this a private party. Um, but it, beyond that, it's it is a fairly open events so you don't you, you don't need a to... red carpet going in the door yeah, there we go yeah a little photo op <laughs> operazzi yeah sure you wear your gucci yeah right <laughs> uh nike maybe but no gucci <laughs> if i make it out there i will i will definitely be looking for couches to serve <laughs> and people to hang out with and drive me around to places yeah, yeah. Make it like every gluten-free brewery we can hit let's do it <laughs> new options there yeah there are i will pay you with hops and malt <laughs> nice um okay so i was gonna go through some other stuff but since we're already like 20 minutes in let's skip all that stuff i think um, i am here now in case uh, you didn't get my chat uh thank you for joining i see you there you have an excellent shirt on i love your background um, right. hey, bob. what's up, what's up bob? Hey. What's up, bob? 
So before we get started with with Bob, uh, Stuart, Kim, uh, Stuart and Kim actually have been helping out uh, with um, coordinating the 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 party. So thank you so much for that. They've been really uh, helping out a lot, and we're working as a team to try to make it happen. Um, either Kim, Stuart, is there anything else you want to mention about the the party? Hi, Dee Dee. The people I've talked to have been very generous in, yeah. in supplying both beer and and raffle items, so it should be cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah big yeah. shout out to all the breweries that are uh, that are engaged, and uh, not everybody can be there, of course. But yeah, lots of lots of great uh, generosities. Thank you. Excellent. All right. I'll have to figure out if anybody's coming. Like, I'm curious if DC or I call him Dave now. Um, I'm curious if um, he's going because I'd send him up with uh, it's better to send it than to mail it really. Yeah, yeah let us send more, I can send more that way. <laughs> more beers always is better, right? Truth. Yeah. What's um, up? Let's go. Okay. All right. So let's go. So thank you so much. So. <laughs> I, I just I, I wrote this I wrote this little ditty so I have to say it so you guys are have to bear with me so hailing from the dedicated gluten free brewing wasteland known as Southern California, <laughs> he's been an active member in the club since for the life of the zero tolerance homebrew club. Now the head brewer and owner, co-owner, owner, co-owner, yeah. Co-owner of Desi- Divine Science Brewing in Tustin, California. He is the master of millet, the Sultan of Simcoe, Whoa. the Wizard of Warm Fermented Weinstein. <laughs> Mr. Bob Kiefer, thank you so much for joining us today. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for having me. And uh, so the reason Bob is here is because in his background, you see um, the, I think the shot of the cover of his new upcoming book. Uh, and uh, the book is titled Gluten-Free Glute- Brewing, correct? Gluten-Free Brewing. <laughs> yeah, let's keep, just keep it simple. <laughs> and um, so uh, just can you just give us a real basic information about the nuts and bolts of things like the when's it release where is it going to be available all that kind of good stuff yeah i mean it did get pushed back um you know there was a lot of stuff that kind of came like rushing in towards the end and i had to advocate really hard with um the editors the team the marketing staff um just to say hey i think this stuff is important enough that we should push the date back um some of that was um, tests and trials that we did. We're actually, I really did more of a high level synopsis because it wasn't, we didn't have time to have it peer reviewed, um, but that will hopefully lead to grant work, right? So um, the release date is looking like it'll be sometime in late September. Um, that's if everything goes well and all the ink supplies and all the other printing supplies are there and on time. And the, based on my meeting recently with um, Brewers Publications, they will be ge- beginning the marketing efforts very soon. Um, I have gone into my local homebrew store and they go, wait, hey, wait, you're writing a book? Um, because they, they know me personally and um, they're, you know, they're just on those kind of 
forums and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, yeah, I know. You'll probably hear, be hearing more about it soon. So. And tell us about um, availability. Actually, I'm going to share my screen to show people like what I'm talking about. So oh, for um, sure. Uh, this is just a share of the Brewers Publications websites. And if you go in there, it's one of the upcoming uh, under books. Um, and you can see that it says when it's available, supposedly September 26th, coming soon. And then it's got availability on all these locations. And I think some of these locations, correct me if I'm wrong, Bob, you, if you go to Amazon or I don't know who you prefer, you can actually go in and pre-order and pay for it and get it all set and ready to go, right? Yeah, I mean, whichever forum you prefer best, honestly, is you know going to be a good way. Um, some people like the feeling of uh, you know the actual book in the hand, and some people like to have that on the shelf. But you know that's not even that important to me because you can access it on virtual books like Kindle. So um, yeah, whichever way you go for it. I mean, I first saw it on Amazon, and I'm I'm imagining that's just because of Amazon's SEO skills. Um, so you know, I think you can buy it directly from Brewers Publications, which is, I think, the best way, but it's the same price in either form. So it's really no impact to the customer. So like I said, whatever you prefer and whatever you're most comfortable supporting, um, you know what I mean? There's so many people that went into making this book, right? This really isn't about making money. <laughs> you know, this is really about spreading the word and, and really, you know, sharing some of the, you know, like it says, the, the techniques and processes that, um, that I, you know, I've not only learned myself through trial and error, but you know, front, these are all from the gluten-free brewing community. I think that's something that really, um, you know, grounds me to a certain extent, you know, in this, in this endeavor is the fact of how much of a community effort it really has been from the, um, you know, free and lengthy discussions that we get on in the various, you know, forums that we share, right? Hey, what do you guys think about this? Hey, this happened. What, what, how do you explain that? Um, and, and that's really kind of where you, you know, I've, I've been reading through those and have reread through those over the past couple of years, um, just to try to get a better idea of what the community is saying. So, you know, this book is partially written from my whimsical way of using words, but it really is a synthesis of everybody's collective knowledge. Um, so uh, I, I hope that that will um, not only inspire people, but also potentially bring that smile to their face knowing that hey wait i remember that discussion i, I remember i was there i i, I, I might have been the person who asked that question you know what i mean and i think that's something that's really special to me about this book is it uh, i know that like on the facebook page and and if anyone else has other questions i don't i have a bunch of questions i wrote down so that's why um Cool. Uh, I'll, I'll just go but if anyone else has any questions uh feel free to jump in but but just from like what you just said, um, I, I feel like one of the big problems with Facebook as a medium for like the homebrew club and like from a knowledge perspective is that, you know, things uh, are really hard to kind of find that like you're like, oh, well, we had this really great conversation about like TEF, right? Then it's like, yeah. oh, it's like way down in, you could probably search it and find it. Or Stuart has a good way of um, you know, linking those threads into the wiki, right? But oftentimes things kind of get just disappear into the ether, right? So 
Um, it, it sounds like that part, part, in part of writing this book, you were trying to capture a lot of those really important moments and then put it into a form where you have a, a kind of like a good resource that's always there. You can flip to a certain page and say, hey. Yeah, there is there is a lot of organization that went into it. Um, I think that um, I'd like to give a big shout out at this point specifically to Alan Winhausen, uh, Winhouse uh, from Holla Daily, who was the uh, Brewers Association technical editor on this book. Uh, because I will say very honestly that the first, um, uh, the first, uh, you know, additions, if you will, the first uh, edits of oh, the drafts, yeah, chapters, yeah, yeah. yes, uh, was literally verbal vomit. Um, and so <laughs> wrangling all of that actually back into a coherent um, storyline and argument and um, you know, and, and it was gentle nudges too. So I'd like to also really appreciate the um, uh, tact that um, Alan has and his ability to go, hey, um, this seems counterintuitive or, hey, uh, I, I'm not sure where this is leading to. Can you maybe get to that a little bit sooner and then describe it? Um, which is also a recommendation that John Palmer gave me um, at, on the outset of this book is to really start to organize thoughts from a standpoint of, say this thing and then really get into it. And, um, you know, <laughs> I was just reading through the copy and on eight and a half by 11, I think is the format that I was reading it in. This, this sucker is almost 200 pages. So um, <laughs> there's, it, depending on the size of the book, this could be a pretty thick one. Like the actual, like, you know, dimensions. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> I will. I'll go again. Um, so you mentioned John Palmer, and I had a question actually about like. So there's a lot of these classic books that it's like when I started brewing, it's like, oh, you should buy How to Brew by John Palmer and The Complete Joy of Home Brewing, Charlie Papazian, and 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 then you have to take that and kind of. Um, you know, use the majority of it and then there's a certain things like oh hey you're mashing and your grains and all that stuff is completely different for what the brewing we're doing so there's like a lot of it that's like standard operating procedure and then there's some other stuff where it's like they're not talking about anything we're using from a malt perspective or anything like that so how did you balance like you know taking a book and not having it fall into hey this is just another how to brew um and but True. still pointing out the similarities and differences between gluten-free brewing and traditional brewing yeah i mean um you know i can kind of call back to you know one of my first interactions with um the overall copy editor whose name is um i believe ian or ian i'm not sure how to pronounce it um at the same point because we really actually never spoke via phone. It was all via like Dropbox and um, word on the web. And so, you know, he said very early on, there is not enough time in this book for this to be a 101 brewing. So, and that is really the focus that I took um, specifically because, yeah, like during the first technical edit, Alan was like, this needs to be defined. This needs to be defined. This needs to be defined. And I was like, you know, you're right. But I don't know if I have the time, energy, and or like ability to actually really get down into it uh, because a lot of those are, are already kind of defined, right? You know, these are, a lot of this is kind of public domain, not just from the previous brewing books, as you mentioned, but various forums, homebrew talk, 
um, you know, the Brewers Association specifically. But yeah, I know, but it also did, I really did chose to, to, to show that divergence um, in brewing style very specifically. Um, and, I, and I think that there also is, uh, one of the things that I, I really liked about um, some of the editing is that there is specific page references to callbacks, right? So that if you say want to skip ahead, some people do that. So we'll go right to the recipe section. I totally get it. Um, <laughs> it'll have a callback to the reference of what to do from which page we like, say we talk about the low to high, right? There's, I think four or five different brewing methods specifically that are referenced in the recipe section, like a perform a low to high rising step mash or perform a high to low, uh, you know, falling step mash, right? So, and then it goes, you know, refer to this chapter on this page. Right. So that sort of thing, um, because that is something where you go, OK, wait, wait, why am I doing that? What am I trying to elicit from the grains? Why is that important to me? Right. Um, and I do really through the course of doing this uh, book or just really sitting down and kind of actually breaking it down and having that discussion, not just with myself, but also since there are people editing it, they weigh in. Right. And I, I really love the questions that um, Ian would ask, um, which are like, Oh, wait, what, what ferulic acid rest? What, how is that relevant? Right? What do, do you even need to do that if there's not weed in the mix? And you're like, huh, great question. Give me a week. <laughs> and then I would literally just like read through research paper after research paper of like ferulic acid and gluten free grains, right? And our, or like, oh, I couldn't find that one. So I'm like, all right, ferulic acid in this grain. Okay, can't find it. This grain, this grain, right? And just like literally changed my Google search till I found like research papers on like, Oh, hey, wouldn't you know it? Corn has a higher ferulic acid content than wheat. Huh, maybe there is something to it. But would you perform a 1 in 108 degree Fahrenheit rest with it? Because the study itself talks about cooking it, right? Just like you almost would it in a falling step match, right? So it's like, okay, we're literally just scratching the surface on this book, right? And that's where we also got into this conversation of, do we actually have the time to do that too, right? Um, and I really want to also just in this forum, give a big thank you to Glenn Fox from UC Davis um, for actually letting me drop off samples of wort to him um, that were post mash um, that had I, had, I think I did 12 different methods um, in that test. So, um, and, the, and these are with, you know, you know, not that many grains, right? So, but it still helped really in anything at this point really helps because I think one of the things that's tough about reading those papers from, um, you know, Zarncow or um, Souls, as in from Grouse or um, from Ledley is that um, only one of those three actually performed that, those tests in an actual brewing environment, right? And that's, I think, one of the things that we really lack so much in this space is we have literally this, this forum has literally been that place where we can trade these notes. Right. And at an academic level, at the very least, I think that is one of maybe the, the, the barriers of entry that we've that we've had is the fact that there is very little scientific understanding. And therefore, some of these larger brew houses aren't willing to take that risk. And that's where I think things got derailed with the gluten reduced bullshit. Um, yeah, that's a great segue to a question that I had about the publisher and i know early on when we had had some discussions about the book there was you know there was a mention of 
and I don't know what actually happened. So you can tell oh, me, okay. tell me now. Oh, so, um, so whether it was going to be purely focused on dedicated gluten-free brewing, or if they said to you, Hey, Bob, you know, we really want you to do a book that also touches on gluten reduced and, um, and I don't know how you feel about that or whether that was the case. So is, is it, is this book purely dedicated gluten-free brewing? Do you touch on gluten reduced and the pros and cons and all that kind of stuff? What's, what's, what's the scoop on that? Since, since this book is being published domestically, I felt the need to um, adhere to the legal requirements um, when it came to actually labeling something gluten-free. And I had that discussion ad nauseum with the Brewers Publications um, it, it got to the point where I had to use something that um, the former brewer from Evasion um, had mentioned to me, um, and, and I kind of kept it in my back pocket. It took about three months to crack them, um, but she, because what, what I had done is I had just gone down the gluten-free rabbit hole mostly in the book at that point, from outlining to various different um, excerpts. We were, you know, kind of like, hey, you know, here's a passage, you know, this and that, and um, She's like, I don't see any gluten-reduced recipes in this book. And I go, well, what do you want? Like nine pounds of two row and throw some clarity from at it. And she's like, wait, that's it. And I was like, oh man, I wish I would have said this sooner. <laughs> Cause that's the, that's the thing is it's like the way that I said it was, is like, there really isn't much nuance to gluten reduced, right? Essentially, you know, you could in theory just buy the average gluten-free book, the average gluten book, <laughs> I guess, if I mean to say it right. Like, the average barley book or have it already has all this stuff that you could do with a gluten reduced recipe. Um, and that's really in, in essence, the only process that it's undergoing is this. And I think that also through the way that the iterations of some, you know, some of the chapters really came around, I think it really helps tell that story of, Hey, yeah, no, there is like literally could be volumes of books just written on this one chapter. Right. Um, specifically because we really don't know that much about it. And that's where the cool thing about gluten-free brewing really is, is the fact that this is very much uncharted waters, right? You have to go further back than most barley brewing to even understand it, right? A lot of these techniques that are being performed, like the overnight, um, you know, holding the mash, like it's, I mean, we, we've seen people in the group do it. We see people in, in ancient Africa and certain cultures doing this where you're not just using the enzymes that are in the grain, um, which is a thing that is happening, but also when you get into those limiting points where you don't have the high enough activity of certain specific enzymes, the inclusion of the flora and fauna on the actual grains themselves that is being used in these ancient African techniques is creating a more fermentable wort by the inclusion of that wild bacteria or yeast that is you know, helping make that beer. Right. So I think that is there are some of those things that end up being a fun discussion in this book where it's like, yeah, there's a lot of ancient techniques that go into these grains. But hey, the, here's how we've been able to work through the limitations per se and really make them advantages uh, within these grains. Right. Because certain gluten free grains are actually immune to certain things that barley is actually more prone to. Uh, it just really depends on the grain. Right. So. You know, and that, that also becomes a discussion, right? Because Teff, you know, historically in the gluten-free brewing community has been a grain to stay away from, right? You kind of brought that up earlier um, in terms of the fact that people are talking about Teff quite a bit right now. And, and I, I would actually, you know, like to thank Ledley for that. 
um, really, we wouldn't, I don't think we would be talking about TEF right now unless we had investigated its beta amylase content um, and activity in, in a gluten-free, um, you know, mash. You know, I was actually very impressed by that, right? Um, I think that there, there were some people who have found fault with the university and their attempts at a patent, if you will. Um, but in terms of the actual, um, you know, educational value of that specific paper, I mean, like what a godsend. And, if the, and that's one of the reasons why I had to push back the, um, the actual, you know, um, turning in, if you will, of certain chapters is because it's like, well, this research right here just turns almost half this book on its head. Right. And so that's where we have to go a little bit deeper. Right. And, you know, there are, there are certain assumptions that end up getting made, but then when we look at actual research that we're doing, we're, you know, that's where we've seen like uh, gluten-free homebrewing specifically um, change some of their recipe kits with the inclusion of new enzymes and techniques. Right. You know, it used to be like a 15 to 16 pound grain pill for some of these to get like a 1050 starting gravity. And now that same would get you like at least 1080 or 1.1 um, if you do a first runnings. So um, I think that we've seen just a, like in the last, what, four years alone, we've seen just a massive, massive, like in terms of knowledge, understanding, ability to get started, all those other things. Right. And so I think, you know, not just as the book, a summation of those things, but it's also a an opportunity where I, I, I chose to talk in certain sections about some of these newer um, concepts or about some of these elements of what are we, what is packed away in these grains? How do we actually investigate that? How do we get more out of each grain itself and understand what and why we're doing what? Excellent, excellent. Any, uh, anyone, any questions for Bob? Questions out there from the... Uh... I got more. I got yeah, let's more go. I, I'm into it. I'm into it. Thank you. No, um, let, let me know if I'm getting like too much into the weeds. I'm trying to also be a little bit high level so that there is still value in buying the book um, or having it. Yeah, don't um, give away all your secrets. I can't. No, I can't. Come on. Dude, I honestly, I don't I think I have enough time even in this hour to get into it. It took, it took multiple days to read the final copy just for myself. <laughs> <laughs> Kim, did you have a question? Um, I, I have one actually. Oh, okay. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So the, the book, is it kind of laid out more for, I don't know, like an intermediate to advanced, uh, gluten-free home brewer, or is this going to hold somebody's hand? Like if I got a buddy who wants to get into it, I can go just like the, how to brew book, you know, Oh, here, this is going to get you on the right track and get you to understand and how to make a more fermentable wort, but at a, at a basic level as well. True. I mean, I have some asides that are like those gray boxes that you see in certain like research papers where it talks about, you know, I have a getting started section um, in terms of just even selecting the right brew house for yourself. Um, you know, it might be based on how large of your living space there is or your electrical capabilities or other things like that. So there's just certain things like that. Also, like just like mash ton size, ideally, for certain types of what you want to do. Um, there also is just kind of like a, hey, um, if you're getting analysis paralysis, 
Um, you know, don't take, you know, don't necessarily need to get too far in the weeds with me, get something going. And then once you've got a couple of successful ferments under your belt, maybe come back to some, some of these sections so that you can then say, take that next step forward. Right. So, um, you know, we do get into a little bit of extract brewing, which I think is the best way to start if you're a gluten-free brewer or a brewer in general. Um, but I think that even when you do that in barley, uh, on the barley side, you'll notice that there is always something that could be lacking. Um, and that's where incorporating different techniques, the uh, partial mashes, the other stuff like that. So we do have a little bit of a discussion in there. Um, I would say that there is enough definitions of specific things that you could be a complete beginner. Um, but I would also say that this is really a companion to, um, to you know, specifically gluten-free brewing, right? So that's where, you know, maybe not even learning some of the sacred cows in barley would actually be an advantage, right? Because, um, you know, that, I think that was something that was really interesting and at least in my journey of gluten-free brewing, right? I remember an article that I read in Zymergy that had been actually contributed by gluten-free home brewing where they suggested a two hour mash at 150 with like 20 pounds of palin biscuit rice. So I think it was 10 and 10 of each. And I like literally like, what? Like 150 with rice? Like, I don't know if that's the best suggestion. Like it for the average barley brewer that's approachable, but I don't think that's the best technique, right? And you know, it's like, it's just so interesting, right? Because there's like so many discussions because what works for one brewer could potentially not work for another brewer, right? And that's, I think, a, another thing that's really interesting about being a beginner is that, you know, I give very much credence to the fact that there really isn't actually a consensus in our space. Um, and, they're and, and, and that's necessitated by the grains themselves. So that's where, I, you know, I would say that, yes, definitely give this to any brewer you choose. Um, but, you know, sometimes it might be also be, be a good resource to have the, the wiki page for um, zero tolerance, which I think is also a really good companion. And that's where there was also this element for me where I was like, okay, there are a lot of the, a lot of this space is what I would call public domain, at least for us, right? Most of us don't necessarily need a book to get started because there hasn't been one, you know? And I think it is great that we have one. So, but at the same point, I wouldn't necessarily say it's the Bible because of the fact that what's true in 2022 could very well be not true in 2026 um, because of the fact that what was true in 2018 wasn't necessarily 20, true in 2022, right? And so that's, I think, where the, a lot of these things are starting to really change a lot because we are spending so much time researching these things now. Um, and, and that so much time is like all the massive amounts of like, if you could have access to um, breweries, brew books, I mean, that would be a gold mine right now because that's where, that's the, that's the data we lack, right? Is that large scale, but also incorporating that in with zero tolerance. I actually used some of the survey data, the raw data at least, from some of the zero tolerance polls to help create inferences in the book, right? But that's like literally what, however, but however many people responded out of what now 1800, it's like what probably I was gonna say maybe 82 people, which is really good. It's a really good population size for that, that level. But at the same point, you know, I would love to see better participation in these because it's gonna inform so many more decisions. Right. And it's not just from a cost saving standpoint. This is really about so much more than that. Right. Um, just 
you know, not just the education, but just the fact that like every time we do another one of these studies, every time we do another one of these surveys, we make this its own space that can't be taken away from us, right? That's, I think, the coolest thing, right? Is that you have, bre you have brewers in other nations that, and, and domestically, that are buying seed and growing their own grains and then malting them and then roasting them and then brewing with them. Like, oh my gosh, right? Like, that's, that's amazing. That's not just like even being a part of something that's just like on the verge, but like you're literally like, we are literally in essence, not just figuratively, but literally planting seeds in this space. That's how much it means to people, right? That's, it's just amazing. And that's, I think something that's really so cool is to also represent that in this book as well. Um, question on, um, you touched on some mention of different sections and things like that. So from mm -hmm. a, like a structure perspective, how is the book structured? Like just from a super high level, do you have just certain like big, larger sections that you've, you've created? How, how does it look from a structure perspective? Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's tough is that I knew that there was going to be a lot of zero tolerance readership, but I also figured that there was also going to be a lot of not zero tolerance readership as it were. Um, and so, you know, um, I took a lot of inspiration from a lot of the club meetings that we've had over the years and tried to synthesize those into, okay. Okay. That, that really makes sense. Like, okay, cool. Here, what is gluten-free? Right. Let's start there. <laughs> what is gluten? <laughs> right. <laughs> like so many people don't even know what it is. They're like, Oh yeah. So you don't put any hops in it. Right. What? <laughs> you know, some of those where you're like, oh, okay, I guess we do need to start maybe like close to square one or like at least maybe a step past square one, but just like really lay down some bases real quick, just so that like somebody isn't in chapter three going like, wait, gluten's in barley? Oh no. Oh no. I've been having barley bread for the last 15 years. Right. You know, you don't want to have like that. Right. Because like that is one of the things that I saw in an Instagram forum. Right. Somebody was drinking Guinness and going, oh, man, this is the best gluten free beer out there. And I was like, wait, 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 what? wait, 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 no, 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 it's not gluten free. Like you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> no. Um, and he's like, yeah, it has hoarding. And I'm like, that is gluten. Like, so, yeah, in that way, I felt like, OK, yeah, let's, let's get let's get our bases covered. You know, let's, let's establish what actually separates it. But then let's also talk about, okay, access, uh, choice, style considerations, as well as once you actually have done all that, how do I actually make the beer, right? Because I, I mean, we can talk about all the knowledge in the world, but at the same point, are we drinking beer? <laughs> you know, because I'd say that's probably the most important thing of all of this, but let's be real. Um, you know, and, and that's where it's like, uh, you know, I think one of the things that's so cool is to have been involved and like have like a like a relatively engaged group of people. Right. I think that's one of the things that's really cool about gluten free people is that um, we're already used to making a stir <laughs> at any restaurant we go to. So we're willing to like give propers or like ask questions. Just be sure. Um, and so like I fielded a lot of emails like when we first started, like not just questions about calories and stuff that I didn't actually truly know because um, we haven't sent it off to lab yet, but just like, uh, oh, you know, how do we make it? Or, oh, you know, hey, this is really special. This reminds me of a this beer. 
And I started to just think about that, right? Is like, oh yeah, like that's really informed a lot of recipes that I put in the book. But I think I also kind of like guided certain brewers that were like, hey, I have like all these recipes, which one should I actually give you? And it's like, no, actually give me your, like two or three of your most basic recipes, right? The recipes that are simple and clean and remind you of one of your favorite beers, right? That was really cool. Oh my gosh, to see the recipes that got given out. I mean, uh, I'd like to give a special thanks to a couple breweries specifically um, that gave me recipes of their flagships. Like, that's a big deal. That's like a really big deal. Like those are like worth potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars, those beers alone, right? Some of them are probably have grossed probably more than that, right? Which is really freaking special, right? And so that's, I think, something that is really cool is that the, the gluten-free brewing community itself, or just the gluten-free people, right? That's, that, you know, let's, let's, let's start at a higher level, right? The, the just offering, you know, just, yeah, here, have this. This is, this is a really special recipe to me. This is one of my favorite beers I've ever made here. You're like, and it's not just to me, right? I, I know that a part of it came from, you know, my relationship with these people, which is really special to me, but to see that in a more global context, right? That they wish to share that with the world, right? That's moving, you know? And that's what I hope this book really helps represent for people that are either in this group or have never even thought that there was this group, right? Because you wouldn't believe how many people that have reached out to our brand um, who have given up, who had given up on like beer. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's such a silly concept because when you know, we make fun of college kids for being done with beer, but I missed being done with beer too, right? And that's one of the things that's so special to me is like to not have to worry about it. And that's one of the things that I think really you know, really, um, really made this book special to me is to really go like, hey, here we go. Here, here it is, right? Here's the way to, to reclaim an otherwise off-limits beverage. Here, let's do this. Let's, let's take it back, you know? And that's, that's, that's so special. And I really appreciate uh, your help, Kale, and Stuart's help on chapter one alone. Um, just that ability to help synthesize what I was trying to say, because uh, I have a tendency, I'm sure one or two of you have seen this, where I have a tendency to be a little militant at times, as uh, one of my copy editors described me. And so um, the ability to really help find that voice, you know, is something that I really appreciate, because that's really what it was. It really wasn't me writing this book. Um, and I hope that I've been um, able to describe or express that, in, uh, you know, through my answering of these questions is that it really was not me and it really was the gluten-free brewing community. And it was just me really hoping um, put package that, right? In the words and the word choices that, that, that I used in this book. And, and that really came um, very much um, from this book, uh, from this group, from the Zero Tolerance Glute group. Did you, um, I think you already touched on one of my other questions. So, um... Yeah. So when you when you pitched this original, like you had an original, I'm sure, vision of what yeah. this was going to look like, right? And 
I'm uh, I'm guessing that along the way that that original vision transformed itself into what we're going to see September 26th when the book gets released and people can buy it at every place that we saw um, listed on Brewer, Brewer's Publications website. Um, so what, um, what was that process like and evolving from what your original idea was um, and then throughout the writing and editing process, I'm sure it was a long journey. Like, what, yeah. what was that like? Was that like pleasant, frustrating, all sorts of different emotions depending on the day? Like, uh, yeah. How, how, how did that, what was that like? Well, I mean, I think it was really tough because, um, you know, when I, when, so when I introduced the subject to Bruce Publications, it was 2019, right? So a lot's changed, right? And a lot had changed from 2019 to 2020 when we signed the contract, right? Um, and that had started through like, you know, really, and it, I would really like to give a lot of credit to that um, from Joe Morris, really. You know what I mean? He's the one who really put this all on, on the radar for, for Brewers Association, which Brewers Association was actually the organization that connected us to because simultaneous to the fact that he had tried to start this club or was starting this club with the Brewers Association, the Zero Tolerance Gluten-Free Home Brewing Club, um, I had also put in for a seminar on gluten-free brewing. And this was really just sharing like, oh, hey, yeah, this is, this is what I've uh, learned. And, you know, it also was very much inspired by a lot of what gluten-free home brewing had done at that point, the website. And so it was really just kind of a thought to further that, but also to, you know, get it in with an organization that is um, not just reputable, but um, known and loved. Right. And so that's where a lot of that started. Right. Is OK, let's 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 do it in these public forums. Let's get the word out there. Let's start the education process. And then it really was kind of like, you know, they followed up and I had kind of reached out. They're like, hey, can we get a potential outline from you? And so, you know, I'd say that outline from the original outset to where it is now. I am actually curious if it even looks anything close to what it what it does now. Right. Because there was a lot of like the basics, but then like, there was also like certain sections where it was like deep, deep, like deep in the gluten-free weeds, right? Um, and that, that was great, but then we had to kind of like work in through some of that work through work, you know, like kind of add in sections. Some of these were more aside. Some of these were stuff that hasn't really actually been codified because it hasn't been peer reviewed, right? So there's there was a lot of things that were either like, okay, well, we've got to like, transition it to be more of a discussion than really truly fact. Um, and so that, that, that's really kind of what changed some of the, the context. But also another thing that was really frustrating was the fact that like literally in the time when I first wrote one of the chapters, I think we added like, but I, I, I started writing it in like 2020 or maybe early 2021. And then, you know, not just Grouse, but Eckert also, like, if you combined all the malts that got released in between the time when I started talking about this, um, that we added, like, 10 to 20 new malts and subtracted, like, two or three, right? So it's like, some of these chapters started off as one thing, and then through updates in just the industry alone, completely changed because it's like, oh, wow, okay, well, this totally changes like how I would craft a this recipe too, right? Which is like, a, oh, okay, I have more access to this flavor now, or I have an easier medium through which to create this color, 
right? Specifically, uh, that changes how I think about creating an amber or that changes how I think about creating a dunkel or a vice beer, right? Like all those different recipes and flavor contributions that when you actually start breaking down some of the style guidelines, which is what this book caused me to go through as well, you really start to go, oh, okay, wow. I, I think some of these grains actually nail these flavors more spot on than even barley. Um, but I will say that over time, every year that passes, my palate gets less and less attuned to barley. Um, but, you know, there is still a lot of those flavors that, you know, are naturally elicited or can be coaxed out of gluten-free grains. Um, but that's really only when we're looking at the quote unquote, is there a substitute question? Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different ways to have that discussion. And I really like the way that the discussion ended up um, through multiple, multiple iterations, but I really do like the place that it is right now. And I really do feel like this book, you know, is not just a, you know, getting started or as a how-to, but also a really great jumping off point. Um, specifically because there are, you know, uh, a couple takes on some classic styles that don't actually even involve the modern malt ca uh, catalog that we have, right? That involves some stuff like um, amaranth, right? From um, um, Miguel Toban, um, who I believe is in Colombia. Um, so there's there's some really cool elements where, you know, we're literally just like, I, I wanted to show that fact that, hey, here's what we've done domestically, but also, hey, look, check out what's happening internationally, because I think that's really where the space has the most opportunity to get like thrown into the stratosphere, right? You think about the brands like say in like Australia and New Zealand or whatever. Um, so I think it's mostly Australia at this point still, but like they're buying like uh, shipping containers full of grouse malt, right? Like that's thousands and thousands of pounds, right? Just to try to help with the price of their beer. Well, what would happen if that went and got grown domestically, right? that changes the entire game um, for, for brewers. And that's, I think, where it's like, we, are, we really are so lucky that our nation saw through the kind of going, wait a minute, that sounds like snake oil when it came to putting a chemical on barley to quote unquote, make it gluten-free, um, is that they helped codify those, those labeling practices like almost a decade ago now at this point, which is really one of the things that made the uh, this space grow uh, also a 2006 law, um, which is what helped spawn Redbridge and actual lakefront new grist. Um, and, and that's, I think, one of the things that's really cool is to see like those are like, I would say, like those timepieces, right? Those like uh, markers, right? That then we kind of start like going like, oh, okay, and then here was the next iteration. And then like 10 years later, here we are now, right? It's like, it's it's really cool to see that history and to have kind of like been able to hopefully, you know, at least at a high level represent that so that people can really understand where we really are with this space. Um, anyone, any questions, other questions for Bob, Kim, Casey, anything on your mind? It's been a little dense, so I appreciate you guys letting me uh, ramble on for a little bit. So um, yeah, no, thank you. Um, you know, it's whatever, whatever questions you have, um, I'm definitely willing to answer them. Um, so one thing that I, this is probably my last kind of question, I think, um, and it's around a lot of stuff that you talked about about um, 
you know, just even what you just mentioned about, you know, the labeling laws and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, I began my brewing odyssey and gluten-free at the end of 2017. So it's not been that long, but I guess it's kind of an eternity in the dedicated gluten-free uh, free brewing space. And a lot has changed just even in that, that um, you know, four or five years, right? And um, the things you're talking about with the malt houses and the different malts that have come out, the different enzymes that people use, the kind of knowledge base that's grown over time. Um, so it's, it's interesting that you were saying these things about how, oh, I had to rewrite these sections of this book and you could probably do that eternally, right? So you could probably eternally go back a year from now and say, oh, yeah, this section, oh, man, that, <laughs> that's yeah. not right. Uh, so what my question would be around, like, do you see at some point, um, like, five, ten years from now, a version two where you go back and you relook at and you rewrite and revise and say, hey, because I know that's been done with multiple different brewing books. And it seems like for, uh, for this topic specifically, it's, I'm sure t you look at this 10 years from now, you'd be like, oh, this definitely needs a version two. So uh, I know it's you haven't even released the first one. So this is a little bit of thinking towards the future, but. True. Um, well, I got to a point where I had to say at the time of writing, at the yeah, time of writing. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I had to do that in multiple yeah. sections in the book. And I hope that people get a nice little chuckle out of that um, because, you know, that is true. Um, you know, it literally could be six months from now where <laughs> so a lot of stuff I'm saying in this book could be potentially a myth now um, or, Hey, yeah, that's the way it used to be, bro. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, um, <laughs> But yeah, no, I think that one of the things that I would like to do in the future is kind of something that Casey actually alluded to um, a little bit earlier in our discussion, which is like, I really would love to have like a gluten-free brewing 101 that is like the complete joy of home brewing or, you know, how to brew, um, which is, I think, probably going to be needed at a certain point in the, because um, as you mentioned, right, like, yeah, it was actually a lot of work going through various discussions in the Zero Tolerance um, Club. And it's not really anything, it's just the nature of the beast. That's how Facebook works, right? Is that it is very like now, in the now, 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 right? So you either got to remember really well or you have to have the ability to search out really well because it's not like an actual like SQL database where you can just like make queries to a, oh, hey, remember the time we had that random discussion about this? Yeah, so, um, so yeah, I think that it will become a helpful thing you know very soon because of the fact that you know zero tolerance is now in its kind of like it's maturing as a group right so most of the questions yeah you'll get the average like hey i've never brewed before but you'll also get like a hey i did a 135 rest instead of a 125 and i noticed this right which the average new brewer is gonna like eyes are gonna glaze over and they're gonna like keep scrolling if you will which is fair Right. And that's where having something like a getting started and then advanced gluten-free brewing techniques or, you know, like diverging. Right. Because I'm starting to see uh, um, at scale, things are a little different. The, the mash behaves differently. The grains sometimes behave differently. And um, 
that some of those concerns aren't an issue at the homebrewer level, right? And so that's where you do sometimes have um, in barley, not as much, but you know, when you go to home, like local homebrew club meetings, like I used to do, and then you listen to some of these professional brewers talk about what they do, you go, hmm, that's different. Cause they don't say to do that in the barley world, like in the, the brew books or like the homebrew club meetings that I've been to, which is all talking about the homebrew stuff. When you talk about like the commercial scale, uh, there's things like contact times, which are like <laughs> really short. Like, you know, your average barley mash, right? I'm sure many of us that are in this call um, know that it's, you know, a one hour at 150, right? Kind of like easy. Um, but they don't necessarily do that at that scale, right? In the same way that we do things sometimes differently at scale. And that's been kind of the, that's what made the journey of going from a home brewer to pro brewer. Uh, it, it made it really interesting, but it also kind of like really kind of like helped to feed into this element that I don't think we can have a consensus, right? You know, I spend, I spend a lot of my time talking to home brewers, but I also spend a lot of my time talking to pro brewers, right? And um, that's where the whole warm Weinheim Steffener came from, <laughs> which is a fun discussion, right? Like um, I had Dave walk into my shed one day and he goes, wait, you, you just have carboys like scattered around like at, at room temperature. Like what? And I was like, yeah, yeah. I don't really care about that stuff anymore. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he was like, what? And so it's like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be one of those things where, you know, that the whole gluten-free malts are sometimes immune to certain things that barley has a tendency towards, but also have higher propensity to things that barley doesn't have a, a high propensity towards. Like we talk about like the wintergreen or celery and rice, right? Um, rice also has a really high ferulic acid content. Um, and you can still hear me, right? I had a notification come up. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and so like, it's basically on the list, it's like corn, wheat, and then rice, right? Um, and I wonder if there is this element of the ferulic acid in say like the bran in rice that could be leading into some of these, if not treated properly, right? If not doing the correct rest with the grain, right? And that's still stuff that like, there was no time whatsoever to get into that, those sorts of discussions, right? So that's where I think that having that advanced copy would be, I think something that would be really fun, but then would also necessitate like potentially a research grain, which I think is something that I'm really excited about that at this point. And I think it would really help, um, you know, uh, not just the home brewing space, but I think it would really help the commercial brewing space um, is that, you know, um, mm -hmm. at a certain point I gave up you know, seeing other brands as competitors really as more of like a, you know, when I, get, when I trace, when I taste a beer that's either expired or, you know, say it's within the range, but still doesn't taste what I'm looking for in a beer. I want to reach out to that brewery and ask them like, as a home brewer, like millions and millions of questions, right? Where did you get your malt? How did you brew it? Uh, what temperature did you ferment? What, what yeast did you use? <laughs> Literally everything that's like all trade secrets. Right. And so I, I think that that was something that was really interesting is that um, some brands didn't even like respond. Like brands that we like know and love. And I don't want to name names because I don't want to be that guy. But I was surprised at some of the brands that didn't participate in this book. Right. That 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 blew, that blew the lid off for me. Um, 
not just from an emotional standpoint, but just from like, oh, wait, am I doing the right thing? Right. Because I run a brand. Should I should I be giving this all away? Right. Like right. what 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 does happen if an Anheuser-Busch Redbridge makes a better version of its beer and then people don't buy better craft beer? Right. Which is oftentimes what happens with macro beers. Right. There's people that are not having craft beers sometimes because of the price. Um, and that is that is a concern because they're missing out on some really great beers out there. And that's where I think you see this massive voice in the craft brewing space, in the home brewing space, and in other spaces where they really are really sticking their neck out there to be more noticeable to the average beer consumer, right? I was just in Las Vegas recently because I was um, on a bucket list trip with my dad to the Colorado River, uh, which was um, world changing for me. to be uh, seven days out in the desert with no tent um, and sleeping under the stars every night, that, that is a thing. Um, but anyways, you know, you go into Vegas and you see these like lineups of these tall cans and like, you know, some of these brands are trying to be relevant and then some of these are doing a really good job. Like, I, you know, hey, big shout out to Sierra Nevada, like, like playing with the big boys and actually doing a really good job. Um, but that is one of the things that is tough is that like, is this giving the keys to the castle away? I don't think so. And that's, I think, the thing of the fact that this space is still so new. That it's like, honestly, in brewing, it's really all about execution. You know what I mean? You can have the best recipe, you can have the best brewers, but if you don't execute well at every single step in that process, you might not necessarily have that beer that you set out to make. And um, that is another discussion in the book in terms of like, hey, a beer by any other name would sound as just as sweet, right? But we do have to sometimes do a better job of codifying and describing the style that we're putting in packaging, uh, because I think that is potentially something that has um, caused uh, this feeling of, oh, gluten-free has a taste, right? Which I'm thinking most people, most people are tasting off flavors, but not actually tasting the beer that was set out to be made because they wouldn't put, you know, swill in a can, you know, they're, they're putting their heart and soul in that can. You know what I mean? I think, I think like the, like the, maybe going back before, like maybe say 10 years ago, like a gluten-free beer taste to me would, uh, would mean like sorghum twang. That's what I would equate to someone's idea of what a gluten-free beer would taste like, right? Fair. Which is, yeah, no. Yeah, the quasi-multi-bitter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's, I think, tough, right? I mean, that's, I think that's, I wouldn't say it's a stigma anymore. Um, but getting started, there was this kind of, like, stigma, right? Like, um, there's a word that we use in English, and it's a good describing word. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it might be an actually an adverb, but not an English major, so don't quote me on that. Um, and that word is called actually. Now I know everybody's thinking about Hugh Grant now, but the word actually, actually is a really mean word to use when you're setting out to make a good beer. <laughs> and somebody goes, oh, this is actually good. <laughs> you're like, this doesn't suck. thanks Uh, (laughs) thanks (laughs) and so yeah that's I think what one of the uh, the discussions that I went and talked about um, in the book was what what is a world-class beer really what is a world-class beer 
right? Because, you know, like, especially when you look at like um, uh, certain categories, right? You know, I think Jason brings this up a lot, right? Where it's like, how do you compare a Saison to an IPA? I don't, I don't know how you do that, right? And I, I definitely give a lot of credence um, to the effort that goes into being um, a beer judge. Right. It's actually a really tough job. And, and in certain kind of contexts, it can be thankless um, because these are there's people putting their ego on the line, not just their brand. Um, and so I think that there is a lot of that, too. But also I think that there, you know, there was um, there was a discussion that we ended up kind of removing from the book. But it is something that I've brought up in some of the forums on this um, group, which are. Um, if you look at the actual results from, I think this is more than one year in the gluten-free brewing space, um, you've had like as many as 50 entrants or maybe like something in the 40s, 40 to 50 entrants, um, which is actually a lot. You know what I mean? When you think about it, brand-wise, like, you know, in the gluten-free category at a large competition, you can't enter more than one beer in that category, right? So when you have 45 entries, that's actually really freaking impressive, right? Because we have, we have dedicated spaces, but then we have you know, the, the places that are non-dedicated, but are still making gluten-free products, which are allowed in that um, category. But then you'll also see stuff like uh, only two medals given. And, and that's not because like something happened and like something was off. That means that 43 out of 45 had some clear flaw that they couldn't even be given a bronze, right? what is that? Like, like we need to unpack that. We need to speak to every single one of those judges and like pull all that data out of their brain. Right. Because like, where did they actually miss the mark? Did they call it a wit when it should have been a Hefeweizen? Did they call it a Belgian when it should have been a French style? Like what, what really was the problem? Like, or was it just that God awful? Like, no, there's no way it was that God awful. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I think that's something that we're really, that's where we're, missing some of those very, very important data points. And that's what I hope that this book will hopefully one day kind of bring about is a really a better understanding of what is somebody who can have barley um, when they drink a gluten-free beer that maybe does have an off flavor or doesn't, what does that mean, right? Like what does an off flavor mean if we're not using barley? Does that mean that everything is an off flavor if we're not using barley? Maybe, but is, is that, is that, is that worth it? Is that, is that worth calling it an off flavor at that point? Cause it's a different grain. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, this is great. Great. Thank you. Um, I th we're, we've dwindled to just three of us now. So, I know. <laughs> so it's not, <laughs> It's, I think it's just a, a they were logging off to buy it and then they couldn't get back yeah, in. They were, they were right, logging off to buy right. the book. So Everyone is like frantically going over to Amazon and wherever to purchase their pre order their copies <laughs> right now. So, um, truth, truth, there you go. I've uh, so just to kind of sum it up, I think we've kind of gone over our time, but thank you so much for uh, for coming on. And um, thanks, Casey, for sticking around all the way to the end. Holy right. cow, what a freaking trooper. Nice. Hey, go. Um, my first meeting, so I had to stay. Smart. There you go. Thank you so Good much idea. for joining your first meeting and you, st you stuck it out all the way to the end. So, so thankful no. for that. 
That's awesome. There we, go. we did it. We made it to the end. We, 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 all three of us could at least handle my round. So that's good. That's right. That means we all get extra beer tonight. All those other people, no beer for them tonight. So true. You, you know what you guys deserve? Another beer. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, actually, you know, this is completely like not even part of this conversation, but I was IMing with JP Beerly. Um, and he's like, did you know that we distribute into Washington now? I was like, you didn't freaking tell me that you distribute. And, and he's like, yeah, we're at the total wine distribution down the street from your house. And so yeah, he's been uh, he's been busy logging the miles. Uh, apparently, he's been sleeping in the cargo van, which I'm like, JP, just get a hotel, bro. They're not that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> that wow. guy's dedicated, man. I'm like, yeah. dude, this guy is a superhuman. Yeah, superhuman. It, it, it comes with the last name, I feel like, you know, Beer Lee. Everything he does is Yeah, beer. it's always all beer, all beer all the time. Yeah. Um, so Casey, since this is your first meeting, um, any, any last questions, anything that was this a good discussion? How'd you feel about it? No, I think it's a great discussion. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, as, uh, I've only been brewing, uh, gluten-free for about a year or so. So, um, just kind of crawling. I was a barley beer, uh, brewer for, 10 years or something like that. So, okay. uh, it's very different. Um, right. You know, having to juggle, uh, uh, different types of grain and I'm in California, um, oh, in San Jose area. Oh, nice. but I, I grew up in Orange County, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you in Tustin. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, just getting my hands on product is so tough, you know, up until mm-hmm. I walked into the, uh, BevMo and I saw divine science, uh, you know, beer. Yeah. That and Glutenberg, that was the only two, you know, and so, uh, you know, even getting good commercial examples, I went up to Oregon to, to <laughs> I drove my truck up and bought like hundred pounds of grain. <laughs> oh, to Ashland. You went up to, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <clears throat> That's awesome. Wow. That's a long yeah. drive from San Jose. It's like what, 10 hours. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Well, a little less than that. Uh, cause it's on the border. So, Oh, for sure. but uh Port- portland's 10 and a half hours so okay. but i'll be doing that again because i'm almost out of grain <laughs> i can only drink it so fast so but that's <laughs> the other thing too is like when i when i was drinking uh you know barley beer like uh, guys come over and, and have a few beers but people kind of turn their nose up to the gluten-free so it's hard for me to um kick off my training wheels because i'm only doing brews right. every three four months it's like right. what was i doing again you know and yeah i'm not the best note taker so uh to have something that's laid out you know and and uh you know a club that actually kind of help us out and stuff that's that's really good you know one thing i'd like to see on the uh um zero tolerance and i know there's been some podcasts out there mm-hmm. uh jason from mutantis did one i guess it didn't get recorded and i actually emailed him and he emailed me right back and he said he might have actually had one um, uh, with uh, with you at uh, Divine Science, maybe yeah. on your brother's. Yeah, but I can't find it on the web. Yeah, it's on uh, Instagram. So you would have to follow my wife's um, Instagram, which is uh, at Gluten Free Dominique um, with a C, D-O-M-O-N-I-C. Um, she might even just pop up when you've like gluten-free Dom, you'll probably find it once, once you like click that. Um, yeah, we had him, we've had, um, 
Uh, I don't know if we've actually had beerly yet. We, we need to have beerly, but we've done ghost fish. We've done um, moon shrimp, which was a little bit more of a us tasting beers and then him commenting in the comments um, the same way that it was with um, uh, the Columbus, Ohio brewery um, with the, like they've got a, some really good, um, they, and they don't use enzymes, right? So there's some, some interesting beers that they make. We had evasion on, I think once or twice, because um, we did a low ABV evasion episode and then we did a high ABV <laughs> evasion episode, which is really tough to get through the high ABV one. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude! Like three twelve percent beers. Is that like Grandpa's boat. nap? Dear, don't take, dude, don't drink too much of that. No, dude. We like we were like, uh, I was like, yeah, let's not use large glasses for this episode. Yeah, use like little tiny shot glasses. Yeah, I'm like, let's, yeah, let's use the tasting glasses for this one. <laughs> oh my god, though, I was just still blasted after like three tasters, dude. Um, <laughs> We've had them and then we had, we've had Brian on once or twice from um, Gluten-Free Brew Supply. And um, yeah, so we've, we've done a couple. Um, we've done, um, a, on YouTube, you can follow Baking and Brewing um, GF at Baking and Brewing GF. And we've done, I've done a couple brewing episodes. She's done a couple baking episodes. Um, we'll try to mix in some of those themes. And then we ended up getting more into like the tasting thing. And that's really <clears throat> more of the, Instagram platform um, and doing the live feature because it's just so easy to just do it live and then boom, publish it. Um, so that that's really where we did that. I think we ended up having one or two that we like multi-recorded on the Facebook, but I'll be honest, I don't know if the Facebook quality was as good. So um, so yeah, I mean, we've definitely tried to do that. I've been on Beersmith twice, um, but that was like, not like two and three years ago. Or yeah, I saw, I saw those too. Yeah, so that was a little while back. So I'm hoping to get on there again. I'm probably going to end up doing some sort of like, you know, Brewers Publications will actually be sending me some sort of like a media kit in the coming weeks. Um, and I'll be doing some media training. Um, and then we'll probably, I'll probably do the circuit, hopefully. Um, again, like just about every brewing podcast I can, I can hope to get on, I hope to be on. So that'll be fun. Um, and now that we've hired a couple of uh, beer staff, um, you know, for pouring beer in the tap room, I might be able to make it out to the, um, to the 31st, um, club meeting. I'm still, we're, we're working on it. I'm going to see if I can do it. Um, cause that would be really fun just to be around everybody, but also to like get a chance to try some stuff or maybe have some people be on the show. You know, like we did have Mutantus on the show, but we really only got to try like four or five other beers and they make like so many. So it would be really cool to like, you know, actually like do a full cycle or do like a, you know, just a like four gluten-free lagers episode and then like four gluten-free pale ales episode, right? Something that where you can actually like, instead of like just doing the flight from one brand, incorporate multiple brands um, and then start talking yeah. about that and breaking it down. Um, Cause I think that would be really cool because like that, not to, not to plug the book anymore, but per se, like that is another thing that, that, that I talk about, right. Is like, how do you judge a category that could have literally eight different iterations and they wouldn't even have used the same grain of one beer style. Right. <clears throat> it's like, it's a conundrum, right? Like there, that's not even a problem in, you know, any other category. Right. And so I think that's something that, you know, is, is really cool and unique about us. So I, I think that's what we hope to show more of. And yeah, hopefully now that we've started to, add you know more to the brand and you know we've started to kind of become a little bit more self-sufficient as a brand 
that we can start, you know, getting back into investing in the community, which is something that's um, always going to be a soft spot for me um, is that's, that's where I came from, right? Those are my roots, right? So it's, it's really hard to, not just from a mentality standpoint, break out of that, but also just like, like that's still where I want to spend most of my time, you know, is that's where the innovation's happening, right? Is like, you know, you see these people doing a lot of clones, but now we're starting to like push past the clone, which I think is something that's really cool, right? Not just making ancient styles, but making like just a completely different style. Like that, that I feel like something is going to be so important to um, come in the, in the, in the coming years is like, yeah. What is this beer made with this grain versus this beer made with this grain? That's what I, I that's what I was, I was, I've been pushing for, for the last couple of years. I think I've said this on numerous occasions, you know, what if there was this style that was, you know, an American millet beer, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, there's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. There's various iterations of that. I, I agree with you that there is there is at some point going to be a you know evolution of our community, and there's going to be these things that maybe we look back on a long time from now and say, "Oh, wow, that was like the start of when we created this whole new style of beer." That you know is something that maybe it came from. Uh, an, a, an attempt to emulate some other you know barley beer or something like that but it, it just became its own kind of thing right you know so i think there's definitely space for that and i know a lot of people want to emulate their favorite barley beers from what you know what they had in a previous life if they can no longer drink that but to me i think that's really cool to have that opportunity to to you know, be a part of the creation of those things, right? Which I think it's, you know, so it's such a new thing. I know the, these grains have been around forever and people have been brewing with them for, for a long time, but with what we've kind of seen in North America, it's like, it's really a, a new thing, right? So yeah. Yeah. Well, like you have the West Coast IPA, you have the New England IPA now, and now you're starting to see the uh, West Coast hazy IPA start to like kind of like rear its head. And now I just saw on the shelf, uh, maybe a couple days ago, um, a San Diego style IPA. Because there's a Pacific nice. Northwest style IPA, I guess. I'm like, we're starting to like bifurcate even like, like long standing conditions of like what a West Coast IPA is, right? Like, Gluten-free is like way more than that. Like we've got like so many more grains to even think about. Right. So this is like, right. you're, you're, you know, you're anybody that would assume, Hey, this really feels like it's in its infancy would be a hundred percent correct. All right. I gotta, I gotta cut it here because my wife is going to murder me if I don't get off uh, zoom and uh, go do something. She must be talking to my wife. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <hey-o. laughs> Uh, Casey, it was uh, great to have you on this meeting. Um, uh, thanks for joining um, and look forward to having you on future meetings. Hopefully you can make up to the party. If not, um, I'm sure we'll see you on the Facebook page. And Bob, again, thanks so much for joining and talking about the new book. Of course, the new book is Gluten-Free Brewing. If anyone's stuck around and watching this on YouTube, congratulations to you. Holy cow, this is a long one. And go out and buy the book, digital, you know, print, pre-order, support. 
this new book that's coming out. Thanks so much uh, for your time. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Looking forward to it. Thank you again. All right. Take care. All right.